Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. If anything, NHL coaches just copy each other. So maybe it'll spread a little bit, um, you know, like down the Garden State Parkway. Welcome to checking out the competition, low energy post Chuck Fletcher press conference, New York Rangers, <laughs> checking out the competition. And we are joined by Tom Ertz Jr. of Blue Shirt Dancer. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Great, thanks. The Flyers are a tire fire. I don't know if you know this about them, but it's do, true. Unfortunately. Yeah, but we're going to talk about the Rangers, not the Flyers, blissfully. So let's just get right into it. Um, since it's the first time we are meeting the Rangers this season, why don't you give us a little like high level, what happened in the offseason, what's new with the Rangers, kind of a run through. So since the Flyers last met the New York Rangers, um, yeah, a lot has happened. Um, there was the whole... Tom Wilson situation at the end of the year when the Rangers faced off with the, the Capitals. Um, it resulted in the firing of our then president of hockey operations, um, John Davidson, our general manager, uh, Jeff Gorton, who's now been hired by the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Um, David Quinn was let go. And then Chris Drury gets promoted from associate general manager to, you know, president and GM. Uh, they hire Gerard Gallant. Um, and then they went on this, you know, process of adding toughness and grit to the roster. And they kicked it off by uh, trading Pavel Buchnevich to St. Louis for Sammy Blay in a pick. Um, unfortunately, Sammy Blay suffered a season ending injury while Pavel Buchnevich is tearing it up, as expected, in St. Louis. Um, they gave Barkley Goodrow a $3.6 million contract for six years. Um, not sure how that's going to pan out in the long run, um, but so far it's been quite interesting, to say the least. Um, and, yeah, and then they hired Gerard Galan as, as the coach, and it, it's weird because this year – they're playing a lot better than uh, I, I thought they were going to, to be quite honest. Like the first 10 games, it was purely Igor Shesterkin keeping them in every game, very similar to what Henrik Lundqvist did for oh so many years. And then over this last 10-game stretch, they've had people contribute and uh, not just rely on, on a goalie. So they're looking more for real. Um, obviously, there's some th things that – I'm expecting the other shoe to drop. Like, I don't expect 
Chris Kreider to shoot 25% the rest of the year. He has 15 goals in, in 20 games, and yeah, that's, that's notable. <laughs> yeah, because he's never scored 30 in a season, and pretty much everyone's saying is that if he doesn't score 30 this year, he's never going to do it. Um, I mean, Adam Fox is, is looking like the guy who won a Norris Trophy last year over a point per game. And, and Artemi Panarin over a point per game. So it, it, it's been uh, it's been interesting. And it's kind of like I, I look at it as, you know, these next two months, they play 14 games apiece because of, you know, the condensed schedule because of, you know, if, if the NHL does ultimately go to the Olympics, but that remains to be seen. So they're going to be playing a lot of games um, and a lot of days, and it's really going to test them to see if they are for real or not. So it's uh, going to be fascinating to see. Yeah, the Chris Kreider thing, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it was one of the things I wanted to touch on because it is remarkable <laughs> that he's got 15 goals in 20 games. Um, is this, just, like you said, he's, his shooting percentage is ridiculously high right now, and that probably won't last because it never does. But um, is there something different about his game this season or is this really just him getting a lot of bounces and a little bit of luck so the thing with Kreider has always been he's a guy that he's generated a lot of his offense on the power play and, and I believe he he's got eight or nine of his 15 are on the power play um you know second to Leon Dreisaitl so in that regard he's pretty much doing what he normally does um you know whether it's being a guy to tip pucks in, or he's just sort of, you know, screening the goalie and putting in second chances, or, you know, they're, they're working to play behind the net and, you know, quick pass and putting it in. So that much is, is pretty much the same. Um, the thing with Kreider, and it's been as long as he's, he's been with the team, um, and it's this concept of he's a guy that the tools are there, and it's always – he shows signs of putting it together, but never goes a full way. And what I mean by that is he's flirted with 30 goals a number of times in his career, but never gotten there. So the fact that he has 15 in 20 games, if this, if it doesn't happen this year, it's never going to happen. Now, um, I, I think, you know, with uh, 62 games left, he should be able to score 15 more goals just you to, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you would hope. I mean, well, you wouldn't hope as a Flyers fan, but you know, uh, from my perspective, I would like to see that, but um, the uncertainty with Kreider is like I said, you know, he can be a streaky player where he'll have these hot stretches and then he'll just go dormant. Um, and, and the problem with that is like when he's not scoring, that can be a problem because like he's got, you know, 18 points. So that means he's got three assists. So he's, when he's not scoring, it's not like he's setting up a bunch of, uh, of his teammates. So from the Rangers perspective and, and what they need to balance is that this is a guy that they signed to a contract extension, um, the trade deadline before the season stopped for COVID. And at this point in time, um, they had no idea that they were going to go on to win a draft lottery and select Alexi Lafreniere, who by default has been on the third line because they have, in addition to Kreider, Artemi Panarin. And, you know, ideally, you're not going to want to have that long term. So I know a lot of 
you know, fans and, you know, the other people who, who write about the Rangers, they realize that there's going to be this impending cap crunch at some point. And um, Kreider is like one of the few names in, in terms of, of dollars and talent that they could probably move on from. So um, it, it'll be interesting to me if this is sort of his big year and if they, you know, come to him at the end of the season, like, look, you know, this is, uh, you know, you know, the math and everything. Um, can we, can we work something out? So, uh, you know, long story short, he is certainly benefiting from, from some luck, but he's, he's doing it in an area that, uh, you know, he's familiar with. And uh, I think people are going to enjoy it while it lasts and, and then see what happens from there. So you mentioned that the early part of the season for the Rangers was pretty much buoyed by the play of Igor Shosturkin, who is having a pretty good year. He's got a 9.33 right now, which is uh, not bad. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, you know, having that kind of goaltending is going to win you a lot of games. But as you also mentioned, the schedule is pretty bonkers for everybody, and the Rangers are included there. So, you know, you're going to have to play your backup some of those games and Gorgiev's numbers are not good. He's got an 858 right now. Um, obviously that's not going to win you a lot of games. Is there any concern uh, among Rangers fans that the sub bar play of the backup is going to hurt the team long-term? A hundred percent. That is probably the, one of the biggest concerns that fans have. Um, you know, I would say the, the top concern they have is depth on, on the right wing, um, you know, primarily just because, you know, that's an area that became depleted because of offseason moves they made. And then, you know, the fact that someone they thought was going to be playing on the wing, you know, the Tally Craft stuff went back to the, the KHL, but that's, you know, a whole another story. But um, yeah, Gorgiev is in the last year of his deal. He had signed a two-year extension. And he's been absolutely terrible. Um, you know, goal saved above average, he's a minus 7.43. Goal saved above expected, a minus 8.59. So, like, there's – and, again, like, as someone who covers the Flyers, like, you're obviously familiar with bad goaltending. This is, like, just horrendous. Um, and, and it's to the, <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's to the point where, like, you, you wonder – is there going to be like a stretch where they have to play him and you're just going to lose games and you're going to give up um, th this ground that, that, that they've gained. Um, and it's, it's a situation of where it's, it sounds dumb, but it's almost like that it's seemingly that the team is afraid that they would lose him by putting him on waivers. Um, even though, he's not giving them good results. Whereas they could call up, you know, Keith Kincaid, who obviously is, you know, an NHL journeyman, you know, he had his most notable run in recent years was, you know, starting for the devils and he, you know, backstopped them, you know, good run down the stretch to the playoffs. Um, he's putting up good numbers in Hartford. I mean, they have other options in Hartford if they want to go with a prospect, but, um, yeah, Gorgiev is certainly a big problem, and it seems like he's lost his confidence, you know, even to the point where, um, you know, he gave up four goals against the Buffalo Sabres, and 
because of that, you know, he was pulled after two periods and then, you know, Shosturkin had to come in and then the Rangers ultimately win the game in the, you know, last, you know, couple of seconds, you know, because, uh, you know, Ryan Lindgren scores. Um, but yeah, Gorgiev is a big problem and it's something that they need to address sooner rather than later. And I'm surprised that they haven't because, you know, backup goaltenders are readily available all the time and they even have one in, in their system. So, um, yeah, that that is certainly something that is going to come to bite them if they don't address it relatively soon. So outside of the play of Shostarkin, um, what would you say has been the brightest spot for the Rangers so far? Um, I would say Adam Fox, um, you know, playing almost 25 minutes a night over a point per game, looking better than he did last year. And, and last year he won the Norris. That's um, that's certainly something that is, is beneficial. Um, I would say also you can, you know, look at how, like, it, it's hard because, like, he only has six points in 16 games. But, um, you know, Capo Caco, it's his third year, um, you know, Historically, his rookie season was pretty dreadful. Year two, he made a you know tremendous turnaround um, in terms of improving his defensive play and in, in terms of his underlying numbers. Um, you know, he's been playing in the top six. Like right now, he's on the top line with um, Kreider and Zabanajad. Uh, he had looked good with with Strom and Panarin, but. He's someone that, like, he's now starting to play with confidence. Like, he didn't uh, have a point last game, but prior to that, he had a five-game point streak. And he's starting to put it together where in times in the past he would maybe, you know, look to make an extra pass or he would, you know, like, circle it out. Like, he's going hard to the net. He's shooting. So that's something that fans are very excited about. Um, We touched on Kreider earlier, and then obviously, you know, Panarin is doing what Panarin does, you know, over a point per game. So those are, you know, some of those those bright spots. I noticed he's only played 16 games so far. Was he hurt or just stressed? Uh, he was hurt. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, what's been the weakest part of the Rangers game so far this season? So the weakest part has been their bottom pair. And I feel like you could say that about a um, – a lot of teams, but particularly it's a situation where, um, you know, they have one of their top prospects, Niels Lundqvist, playing the, the you know, right side on the third pair. And in the offseason, they signed Patrick Nemeth to a three-year deal because they're like, you know, he's a guy who has historically been good in his own end. You know, he's, you know, a veteran guy. You know, he's, he's from Sweden and, you know, Lundqvist is from Sweden and he can sort of help him acclimate to the league and, you know, in, in theory, it seemed like it was going to be a really good idea, um, especially, you know, considering that, you know, he was pretty much filling the role that, you know, Jack Johnson once did. And we all know how Jack Johnson did for the Rangers pretty poorly. Um, but, yeah, Nemeth has been horrible. And it's funny because, like, Jack Johnson has looked the opposite um, in Colorado. So it's this weird thing of is is it really a player problem or is it more a rangers problem and 
it's hard to tell because obviously it's a brand new coaching staff. Um, but for all the good that Lundquist has done, Nemeth is just absolutely terrible and he's fallen off a cliff. Like, and I can't really explain why. Like, I know some fans were like, he kind of, you know, was um, a liability in the playoffs for Colorado, but you don't want to make too much out of a, you know, a playoff series or two because, you know, you, you want to look at the whole body of your work, but um, I'm hoping that that's not the case because they signed him for three years and, you know, obviously you can get out of bad contracts, but that is something that didn't go as expected. And as a result, it's, uh, it's really dragging the team down, which then puts pressure on the other 4D, which, you know, obviously it helps you have an Adam Fox, but then again, you, you have other youngsters, you know, whether it's Cander, Miller, Ryan Lindgren, et cetera. How much do you think uh, Gerard Gallant's coaching has contributed to the success so far? I would say a lot. Um, and it's tough because it, it's very, I, I would say like, it can be very convenient to pin a lot on a coach and, you know, criticize a coach, uh, an old coach for something, you know, praise a new coach for something. But the biggest difference, and it's been welcome, is, you know, David Quinn would like to make a bunch of different changes. And what I would always like to do is I would, you know, I'd go on Evolving Hockey and I would look at, you know, the forward and defense combos. Um, and you, you know, you sort them by, you know, time on ice. And the Rangers would have so many different forward combinations of at least 100 minutes together. Um, and you would look at like other teams, like say like the Boston Bruins or the Colorado Avalanche, and they would only have a few because they would keep their players together. This year, pretty much the lines have been the lines, um, you know, games, you know, one through 20, with the exception of, you know, Sammy Blay went down with a season ending injury. So they needed to, you know, move someone up. So he keeps lines together. He doesn't panic. Um, and he will, you know, recognize when a change needs to be made. And like I, I mentioned, you know, the, the Buffalo Sabres game, um, you know, he, he made a change because something was, it wasn't working and, you know, it ultimately, you know, worked out. So his, his ability to just keep the lines together and let players sort of work through their issues. Like that's a big thing. Um, he's not benching young players for making mistakes. That's something that happened a lot under David Quinn. Um, so the fact that these guys are able to try and push to make a play and sometimes it works out and then the off chance that it doesn't, they're given like, okay, this didn't work, you know, let's try to be better. And they get another shift. Whereas you would have, you know, rookies or young players, you know, try and make a really good offensive play, it not work. And then they weren't seeing the ice for the rest of the game. So he's definitely been more patient. He's definitely been more calming. And um, as a result, I, I think it's helped the team. Yeah, I think that's such a, a low-key great thing for a coach to do that a lot of them just don't do, which is give players the rope to be creative and try something. Because 
you know, the more creative players are the ones that are going to make big glaring mistakes that you're going to remember at the end of the game because they're trying something exciting rather than just playing safe, low event, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad hockey. And a lot of coaches really don't give players that leeway because, like you said, one mistake and you're benched for the rest of the game or you're in the press box the next game. And it's just, it's good to see a coach doing that and having it work um, because, if anything, NHL coaches just copy each other. So (laughs) maybe it'll spread a little bit, um, you know, like down the Garden State Parkway. Right, yeah. And if I, I were to say, like, one negative thing, and I guess, you know, this could apply to a lot of coaches, um, you know, as a player, you know, like Gerard Gallant was like, you know, he, he had offensive ability, but he was also like, like, you know, like a gritty guy. So, like, he's had, you know, his soft spots for guys like Ryan Reeves and Jared Tenorti. So, um, at times, you know, that has been not great. But then on the flip side, you know, He's given opportunities, you know, like someone like Dryden Hunt, who they signed, um, who's pretty pretty much been what they wanted Barkley Goodrow to be. Um, he's given him opportunities on, you know, the on in the top six. Where I don't know if if that would have happened under David Quinn because it just would have been all right. You know, these are my guys, and you know, this is what I'm going to go with. So um, more good than bad, but still, you know, worth bringing up. You know the the weak spots that he's had. Are there any players in particular that you think Flyers fans should keep an eye on because they are fun to watch? Um, I mean, it's a Flyers game, so by by definition, I, I think Mika Zibanejad uh, <laughs> did pretty well last year. He uh, sure did. So, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like that was the team where he decided to score all his goals against and um he's only got four through 20 games and you know this flyers game might represent an opportunity for him to uh you know pad that a bit um but yeah i would say you know the is someone who's always trying to make stuff happen you know every obviously people know panarin and fox um but if i were to just say like someone who's you know, a little bit under the radar. Um, Julian Gauthier, who's been playing on the fourth line, uh, the third line, excuse me. Um, you know, it's he's on a line with Philip Petal and um, Alexi Lafreniere. Um, they have been together for for a couple games now, and they are generating a lot of chances. They're you know pushing the play, but they just haven't gotten all all the results. And Gauthier's was someone who didn't really get. Uh, you know, attention from David Quinn and, and so far under Gallant, he's, you know, given opportunity. He's instilling confidence in him. Um, he made a great, you know, defensive play against the Bruins to start a, uh, you know, an odd man rush. And then, you know, he set up, uh, you know, Lafreniere. And then he also, you know, made another great play to set up Artemi Pinner for a goal. So um, outside of Zibanejad and like the top names, you know, I would say, you know, Julian Gauthier is someone who is, uh, played pretty well as of late, even though, you know, the, the box score doesn't, you know, reflect it as much. And finally, so both of our teams had games against the Islanders canceled. So we've both had teams resting a bit longer than we expected. If you had to guess the final score of this game, what would you go with? Um, so I would say 
Assuming it's going to be uh, Shesterkin versus Carter Hart, um, I would say it'll be a 4-2 Rangers win with the fourth goal like being like an empty net goal. Um, I, I think it's going to be close just because, you know, it, it would be easy to count the, the Flyers out. But then again, you know, the Rangers played the Buffalo Sabres and, you know, they only won by a goal. So um, I think Carter Hart's playing really well right now. I mean, if, if, if it's Martin Jones, you know, he's playing a lot better than, you know, he has in recent years. But I think it's going to be relatively close um, because there's going to be a little bit of a feeling out period because they've been off and, you know, it's the, the start of a, a stretch. So you're going to try to be a little bit conservative. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a blowout, but I'm going to go with a 4-2 score. Has Shesterkin been as good lately as he was at the start of the season? Yeah, he's been really good this year with the exception of, you know, he had two games against the Calgary Flames who they just have his number. Like he was once at Madison Square Garden and then uh, once in Calgary. But other than that, like he's been really good. Um, he's... Uh, He's, he's looked even better than he did last year. And it's kind of like a little bit surprising because, you know, with goalies, I think it's really easy for teams to adjust quickly. Um, you know, a goalie might have some success when they're, you know, they're a little bit of an unknown, but it just seems like, you know, they, they try and do things and he's, you know, making adjustments and uh, it's really fun to watch. I'm going to go with uh, 3-1 Rangers. I don't think I don't think that they'll let Shesterkin get a shutout, but the Flyers are having a real tough time scoring goals. So against a really good goaltender, they're going to have a tough time. And also, they seem to be giving up a lot of goals. It's a it's not a great recipe for success, <laughs> if you can believe it. Um, giving up a lot of goals and not scoring any. So I'm going to say 3-1 Rangers. Hopefully I am 100% completely wrong, but we're going to find out. Tom, thank you very much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Where can the people find you on the internet? So you can find me at, at Blue Shirt Banner, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Rich Jr. Great. Tom, enjoy the game. Flyers fans listening, I hope you enjoy the game more than you have the last six. Hopefully the Flyers make us all look dumb and they come out swinging and win this game, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, go Flyers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.